0: Welcome to the Steps 4 and 5, the Truth Shall Set You Free workshop meeting. My name is Michelle. I'm a compulsive overeater and your moderator for this meeting. Hi. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure. The session is being taped. All participants are required to sign the release form. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on the recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It Basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures, using a video camera, or using our full names. The format for this session is as follows. Three speakers will share for 20 minutes each, followed by questions and answers. An Ask It basket will be passed around. Please place your questions in the box for our panelists. The topic for the session is The Truth Shall Set You Free, Steps 4 and 5. Our first speaker is Roger.
1: My name is Roger, very compulsive overeater. Hi, Roger. When my sponsor told me to work on Step 4 and 5, uh, I had to kind of figure out what to do because it sounded kind of scary. So I looked it over carefully. Step 4, as you know, says, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. My first reaction is, Inventory, that's like a lot of work. Wow, I don't know if I can handle this. And what's this searching thing? Well, let's see, searching. Okay, if I'm not searching, that means I'm being really superficial. I'm not really getting into it. I'm not digging deep. Um, Fearless. Okay, let's see. If I'm fearless, that means I can't deny what's really going on. I can't deny my issues. i got to face them. So it came down to I had to make a list of issues that were real issues, that were serious issues, not just superficial ones, even the ones that I had an emotional attachment to or that I was embarrassed about. And I had to accept that if I don't make a list of those issues, I'm not going to know what to work on. How am I going to know how to do the steps if I don't have a specific list of issues? So, I looked at step five. We admit it to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Whoa, admit to who? Okay, I can can admit to myself. Okay, I got that. Okay, I can admit to God. But there is no way I'm going to admit my stuff to another human being. I mean, some of it's embarrassing. I mean... You know, I don't know if I want to tell anybody that. It's, uh, they might think I'm weird or something. Do they really need to know? I mean, come on. Yeah, and I started thinking, well, I do regularly fill shopping carts with uh, candy, half price candy after Easter and Halloween, you know, all the rest of the candy holidays. And, yeah, okay, I eat whole pies at a time. But they're fruit, right? They're good for you. And, uh I need a whole box of donuts. When my boss yells at me, doesn't everybody? Well, I kind of had to admit. Yeah, I guess I do have some serious issues. I better deal with them. So I got my head around this simple concept. Okay, I knew if I wanted to deal with the issues, I had to write down specific issues, not generic issues. Like I have a problem. You know, <laughs> that's not going to do it. I need to be very specific. Um, And, most scary of all, tell somebody about them. Okay, so I got that idea. That's the core of what I'm doing. Um, And I figure, all right, well, let's see. My sponsor, okay, I can relate to him. I can relate to him better than anyone else. He had what I wanted, so he understands my compulsive eating. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll tell him when I do. But I ran into some problems when I was making the list. Okay, biggest one, procrastination. I don't know about you guys but I can score an A in procrastination. It's hard to build momentum, especially if you don't want to do it. It's like pushing a car, you know, getting it going. Ever try that? Get a hernia, getting that thing going. And the whole idea was uncomfortable for me anyway. I had real incentive to not want to do it. Putting it off forever seemed like a great idea, sort of. And... um and I hadn't done anything yet. No momentum. I didn't want to do it. Hmm. This baby's going nowhere. So, oh, and and this one was tough for me, too. Just talking about it, okay? And just saying, yeah, I'm going to do it soon, sponsor. I'm going to do it. It doesn't do it. The more I talk about it, the less I'm doing. I had to really do it. But it just seemed like such a massive thing. I don't know if you guys have... You know, come up to four and you're like, "Ah, I don't know if I can do this. So these are some ideas I use to overcome. Procrastinations. All right. I had to admit that saying I was working on a step for months meant I probably wasn't really working on the step. Okay. That was hard to admit. Um, I just kept telling myself, I'll get around to it. And besides, I'm doing such a great job. On these other tools, I'm going to meetings, yeah, I'm progressing. But the problem is that the other tools are wonderful, but they don't have the same deep dive as steps four and five, and the rest of them do, into my emotional and spiritual side. A lot of them concentrate more on the physical. So I really needed to do the steps. It wasn't an optional thing for me. Um, and whenever I know I need to do something, I'm really good at arguing myself out of it. I can convince myself of anything. And the longer I try and convince myself of anything, the greater the chance is I'll convince myself to do the wrong thing. So I would do that over and over. I'm going to do the steps. No, nah, you're too busy. I'm going to do the steps. And uh, I'd find these vital things I just had to do, like sort out all the coins in my upper drawer, because that has to be done today. I can't do my steps. So I had to learn, you know, when Nike said, just do it. That had to be my motto. Stop having, you know, a little devil and angel guy back and forth and back and forth because I'm not going to make the right choice. I had to put it on my calendar. If it's on my calendar, there's something magical. My head goes, well, if it's on my calendar, if you're on your calendar, if, if Microsoft Outlook pops up and says it's time to do it, then I've got to do it. I just I'm used to that. If it's on my calendar, it's got to be done. So, and it becomes official. It becomes measurable and doable. So, it's got to be on my calendar. I also schedule another trick is I schedule a couple of weeks ahead to sit down with my sponsor and talk to him about this. So, it can't drag on forever. It's like, okay, there's my goal. I'm going to do this many times. I'm going to talk to you. That's a deadline, that's a commitment. I can't procrastinate forever. He's going to ask me, so when are we talking? It keeps me accountable. I need that a lot. Step workshops are way, the way to go with this. This is a great tool. I don't know if you guys have done that, but your intergroups probably have these things where they'll, they'll go through the steps and they'll give you worksheets and they'll talk about it and you'll hear great stories and it'll get the ideas going. Clear the log jam. You could attend it with your sponsor. That's the best way. I did that uh, with a workshop in San Jose with my sponsor. It was really good to do it that way. But whatever you do, commit to your sponsor. I am going to do this workshop. And a week later, I'm going to sit down with you and tell you what I wrote. Biggies for me. These are some big problems. Snowballing and perfectionism. I had a real problem with this. Snowballing is one I... I think, oh, I've got to list a million issues I've got to deal with. And I've got to spend hours and hours on this. And I've got to psychoanalyze myself. You know, get this down. I've got to do this thing. It's become so massive. It gets bigger and bigger. And my perfectionism says that, okay, once I do get started on those little time, you know, I said, I'm going to 10 p.m., do my step, do my step. I dive into stuff, and then I can't stop. And then I'd burn out on it. I'd do it too much. That's, that's too much. I, I don't want to kill my momentum. So in addition to the specific, um, the specific time slot, I'll put a time limit. I'll, I'll limit it. In fact, at the beginning, I'll just say, it, just a few minutes. That's totally doable. And I can do it right after my meditation time, for example. Make it quick, doable move on. And my brain says, oh, yeah, okay, I can do that. That's not unmanageable. I don't try and list every issue I have. You know, when I clean my house, I don't get every little corner and every speck of dust. If I spent 10 hours a week cleaning my house, that would be a little obsessive. And if I sit down and I try and do step forward for 12 hours, I mean, that's just too much. That is totally obsessive. So, That's why I've got those limits on what I do. Make it manageable. Make it doable. In the real world, when we have work, does your boss say, well, I'd like you to get this done, but I'm not going to give you a deadline and uh, just take as much time you need. That's not how life works. This shouldn't be any different, right? This is very important for us. This is life or death. One thing that's really reassuring in all this to me, I don't have to do this all now is, this is a lifelong thing. I don't know about you, but always lifelong with me. And I'm going to do the steps throughout my life, over and over, like a cleaning process. I don't have to get this thing perfect. And that's the one thing I've seen. Like a little light going on in people's heads, like, I don't have to be totally perfect on this the first time around. Getting through it and moving on And saying, this is good enough, that is really important in step work, I think. That makes it doable. And the final obstacle I ran into, I call idea constipation. Well, the step four inventory, when I first sat down to it, it's like sitting there, got a blank piece of paper, got your pencil, time to write, can't think of anything. Idea constipation. I couldn't think of these issues I needed to work on. Or, as the big book calls them, flaws. And yeah, maybe deep down, I thought I was such a great guy. You know, I didn't have any real issues. You know, I was nice to people and, you know, got along. I was a wonderful guy. Did I have issues? I don't know. Well, the, to get around that, what I would do is my sponsor had me fill out some tables. And you guys, I'm sure you've all seen on page 65 of the big book, um, uh, the resentments table. It shows in there. And it says in here, the first column is, I'm resentful at. And then the next column is the cause. And the next column is affects my. And you guys maybe have used that. And it's a great way to get, you know, get some specifics, get some ideas going in your head. He gave me some more tables based on that. The first one was my fears. Hmm. Going through that gave me some interesting ideas. Issues I might have. My sexual conduct. That's a scary one, huh? Uh, My non-sexual harms. Who have I hurt? Oh, that brings up issues. So those additional tables formatted the same way are another way to get ideas. For your step four. He broke it down. What's interesting is. uh, Under the effects my. You probably saw on page 65. Where the big book has. uh, Affects my social instinct. Affects my security instinct. Affects my sex instinct. And affects my ambitions. You may have seen that. As the things you can put there. Well he broke it down a little more. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. Under social instinct, he had a little checkbox for self-esteem and personal relationships. So I could think, which which of those apply here? Under security instinct, he had two two more choices for me. He said, is it your material security or is it your emotional security? Hmm. Under the sex instinct, he gave me two choices. Acceptable sex relationships or hidden sex relationships. And the final one, ambitions. He gave me three choices, three checkboxes. Social ambition, security, ambition, and sexual. So those are some ways he got me to thinking to help me get my list. He added a fourth column, too. It was called, What is the exact nature of my wrongs? Faults, and character defects. So I had to think about it. Is, what is the nature of my wrongs, faults, and character defects for this issue? And that column has a great bonus. Okay, you're going to like this. When you get to step eight, you're going to be like way ahead of everybody else. Because you're going to have a big list or when you're making amends. You're going to have that list. And you can oh, yeah. I guess I need to make amends to the, oh, that person and that person and that person. So you can use your step four work to help you with step eight down the road. So these tables help give me ideas, but only as long as I dealt with a whole denial issue. That could sabotage everything that I'm doing. If I think I'm, I'm not a bad guy, okay, I'm basically nice, I made a few mistakes, so I don't want to write that particular issue down. My list just got shorter. I realized I shouldn't minimize an issue. If I try to sanitize the list, what do I end up with? Nothing. I can't sanitize it. I mean, it's not as if nothing comes to mind when I'm going through those tables. You know, if list of fears, I can think of things I've been afraid of. But I start putting a value judgment on it. Should I really write it down? Is it that bad? Nah. I don't. I ended end up with no list. So I just write it down. That's how I deal with it. I don't put a value judgment on it. I can send you these tables if you're interested. Leave me your email afterward. Uh, They're Excel tables. You can also just print them out on paper if you want. Another idea. Use the 12-step of OA workbook. It's a great thing. Um, It's got a list of questions. To help you think about ideas. Uh, i give you an example. First question. And four. Is something keeping me from beginning my fearless and searching inventory? Whoa, procrastination addresses it right up front. <laughs> they don't pull any punches in there. <laughs> and related to that, I recommend you use with it the 12 steps and 12 traditions of OA. That's an awesome book. I don't know if you read it. It really gets into the steps. Give you some great ideas. So, by using these ideas, I was able to get through four and five. And I would say, as you go through four and five, may your voyage as self discovery be life changing for you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Roger. Our next speaker is Ilana.
2: Hi, I'm Alana, and I'm a compulsive overeater, Hi, and um, I love the topic of steps four and five, um, the truth shall set you free. I have worked the steps with my sponsor following the big book format, and I am um, taking several different sponsees. I've taken different sponsees through the fourth step. I um, will share with you my experience, strength, and hope around how I work steps four and five. And I hope that it resonates for you. Take what you like and leave the rest. This is just my experience. Um, What I will say about the fourth step and the fifth step is that I use that exact same format for how I do a tenth step. And so it's not just a one-time thing. It's once I started, I learned this new way of coping with things that upset me so that when things happen in the future or when I'm up against a wall and I'm having a conflict or I'm feeling agitated about something and I don't know what to do, I can pull out a notebook and start writing and things start to become more clear. Um, I love the big book. I loved it so much. I I read it so many times it fell apart, and so someone in my um, big book study group rebound it for me. And actually, after this, I'll be upstairs in the hospitality room helping people rebind books if you want. Um, but I, I love reading it, and I read it with my sponsees, and that's how we go through the fourth step. And um, what I didn't understand at first was the language, the personal inventory, a searching and fearless moral inventory. The wording itself just made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. I didn't really understand what a moral inventory was. So it's helpful just to think about, for me, any unresolved hurts. Can I think of any incidents that afterwards I didn't feel good about it? Either I left feeling upset or angry, or I left feeling like, oh, you know, I probably shouldn't have said that, and then I have that... Self remorse and that guilt about what I've done. So, my sponsor helped me think about it in terms of the inventory part being writing my history up until this point in my life. And I came into program about six months before my fortieth birthday, and I took the third step right around the time of my fortieth birthday, uh, which was. Um, I took my my birthday's October and I took the third step in September and I started on my fourth step and I actually wasn't afraid I was really eager to write my history because I really wanted to know all the things about myself that were keeping me from moving forward because I had heard that after I completed steps 4 through 9 I would have recovered. I would officially have recovered from compulsive eating and that the, the food cravings and the compulsion to eat should be lifted, according to the um, Alcoholics Anonymous text. And, um, and they say that very clearly. You know, we are over 100 men and women who have recovered. So that's what I was hoping for. And being an addict or a compulsive person in that moment was actually rather an asset. (laughs) I'm going to write this four-step. I want to get started. I want to do it. And I'm going to get it done by Yom Kippur. I'm I'm Jewish. And so I had decided that I was going to write my entire four-step, and by the time it was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement in Jewish tradition, I was going to have it done and give it away and have this whole ritual around it. It took me about eight months to complete my first four steps, (laughs) so that was um, God's time, not my time. And it became apparent the first time I sat down to write that I probably wasn't going to have it done by Yom Kippur, like a few weeks away. Um, So I, too, suffered from uh, procrastination. Um, especially when trying to write in my house, I always found something to distract myself with. Oh, you know what? I've got to do the dishes. Suddenly the dishes were urgent. I I need to check my email before I can do this. I had all kinds of things I needed to do. So um, my sponsor actually suggested, and it was very helpful to me, that I actually find a time outside of my house, regular after meetings, where I would sit and write and set a timer even for myself, like, I'm going to sit and try at least for this half an hour, I'm going to budget that time. And I actually found a fellow in program who was working on his fourth step. So we decided to be fourth step buddies, and we would go sit in a cafe or in the basement cafeteria of the hospital after a meeting, and we would write. Um, And my sponsor had me say a prayer before I would get started, because it was really hard when I got started to think about all those unpleasant memories, times when people had caused me harm, unresolved hurts, things that I never thought I could forgive people for, things that I had done that I was not really proud of, things that I didn't even want to remember. And I just remember writing out the first two columns. I used the big book format, what what the resentment is or what the harm was, people, places, institutions, something that caused me to be upset. What was the specific incident? That was column two. And she had me write those first two columns all the way through before I did three, four, and we added a fifth. So after writing for half an hour and remembering all these harmful situations, I usually felt pretty bad. And so, of course, the next time around, I wasn't really super excited to sit down for half an hour and start writing all this. So uh, the Prayer it is in the big book, but it's essentially, you know, God, remove whatever is blocking me or higher power. Remove whatever is blocking me from doing this writing. Help me see what you would have me see. Help me write what you would have me write. Thy will not mind be done. And it was just a simple, like, help me. <laughs> That's the prayer in a nutshell. Help me start to write about this. And then afterwards, I would do a little bit of a grounding thing. I would just kind of come back to earth, stand with my feet on the ground. I happen to, like, trees and being outdoors, and so I would reconnect, I would get outside of the building, and I would lean up against a tree and just kind of feel like connected to the ground, and it was, I felt like I was just clearing all of this negative emotions I had just had. Um, When I finished writing my first and second columns, I didn't realize, and it wasn't until my fifth step that I realized I had left some things off, and I added them on at the end, But um, then the next part was really confusing. How did this affect me? So I am resentful at so-and-so. The reason is she said this thing and it really hurt me in front of these people. How did it affect me? Okay, so I needed the guidelines in the big book and other uh, big book workbooks that you can find out there, you know, how did it affect me? What part of self was affected? Um, and it's always helpful to ask myself and myself, and it's on page 65 in the big book. What part of me was affected? Was it my self-esteem, my security? And we broke that down into emotional or material. Was it my ambitions, um, my work ambitions or my personal relations, sex relations? And, um, if I couldn't think of anything, I could always at least come to one of those things and say, Oh, it was my pride. It was my, my feelings were hurt. What, well, what feelings specifically? And the more I had to think about it, the more specific I could get. And what I realized was that the same things kept coming up over and over and over again. And, so that's the history part. You can't change. The whole point of this program for me is to have a complete change, to not use food to change the way I feel, but to use the steps in this program to change the way I feel, to have another way to, to deal with emotions and life. And so in order to do that, I really had to I had to actually like look at my history. Of what's what have I been doing for the past 40 years? And what's working for me and what's not working for me? And I never really like I found myself drawn to the word character defect. I found it, in, it just hard to understand. What's a character defect? So I think of it more as unhelpful patterns of behavior. And I could see them in this third column, like what part of me was affected, and then the next column, which is what was my part in it? And that was really hard for the beginning. I met with my sponsor the first few weeks in my writing because I couldn't figure out what was my part again. How do I figure this out? And so she coached me through it. And we were doing one resentment at a time, and it was going to take an eternity. So if I only met with her once a week and covered one resentment, it could go on forever. And so... Her sponsor, my grand sponsor, quickly said, no, 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 that's not how they did it in the big book. You write it all out, and when you're ready, you meet and you do your fifth step. Not in tiny little chunks, but all at once. That's what she suggested we do. So once I got the swing of it, once I got the hang of it, I could then look at the columns myself and and answer the questions. And if there were a few topics that I couldn't see. What was my part in it? I learned that actually as a child, I may not have actually had a part in something that happened. Um, above the age of 18, I almost always had a part. And I had to really search. That's the fearless and, and moral part, being honest. What was my part? What did I do to set the ball in motion that made me feel harmed? I did something. What was, what was my part in setting the ball in motion? Even if it was omission, not being honest. not se- So was I dishonest, self-seeking, selfish, or afraid? If I couldn't think of what my part was, I could ask those four questions. And I always got self-seeking and selfish kind of confused. And what I had to think about was self-seeking was wanting it my way. And that I could relate to. Because <laughs> I pretty much, I thought I knew what was best for me, and I knew it was best for you, and therefore my way was the right way, and it should really be my way. And so... The emotions that are most harmful to us, that cause us to use substances like food, to change the way we feel, um, they say to watch out for. Resentment, anger, fear. So I could think of those things, and I've heard this in um, a meeting, that, that resentment is not getting my way in the past. What experiences happened where I didn't get my way? Anger is not getting my way in the present. What's making me mad right now? What is this person doing? What did they do that stepped on my toes and made me mad and made me want to retaliate? And then fear. What was I afraid of losing in the future? So resentment, not getting my way in the past. Anger, not getting my way in the present. And fear, a fear of not getting my way in the future. And so if I could look at those three things and ask myself in this situation as specifically as I could. In what way was I responding with anger, resentment, or fear? And that was one of the columns. What are my fears about this interaction? Was I afraid if I was honest? I was dishonest. My fear might be if I was honest that this person would no longer want to be my friend or this person would no longer love me or that this person would be angry with me and I didn't want conflict. So, you know, I had to look at what was my part and what were my fears. And the last column we added was, what could I do differently, given the same situation in the future? Because it was bound to happen again. And I was bound to feel these same feelings, the same parts of myself were likely to be affected. And I was likely to respond the same way. And the whole point of doing this inventory is to learn how not to respond the same way that was unhelpful the first time around. So writing my history gave me a chance to look at how I've coped with my life up to that point and what wasn't really working for me, and then become willing to let that go. So step five, um, actually, I'll talk about step five from two perspectives, from the point of view of when I did my fifth step, and now as a sponsor receiving other people's fifth steps. And when I did my fifth step, you know, again, they say things, they have these promises here in the book, you know, like, You'll be walking on the broad highway. You'll be one with your creator. I'll tell you, after I did my fifth step and it took about five and a half hours, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go home and eat. (laughs) And man, was I pissed. (laughs) Like, this is not how it's supposed to be. I am supposed to be walking the broad highway right now, you know? And I was stressed out. So I went home and my sponsor said, just calm down, read. And they do say in here, you know, um, to where is it? Step five. I had marked it. Um, okay, on page 75, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. Because my mind was reeling, you know, with all that history of yuckiness, you know, not to mention all the unpleasant and unhelpful characteristics that I had been living in, you know, just thinking about them all. And actually, Some of those characteristics I had thought were helpful. So it was like reconstructing my whole idea about myself, you know, especially around my patterns of codependency. Um, And so carefully review what we have done. Thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Take this book down from the shelf and turn to the page that contains the 12 steps. Read the first five steps. Read the first five proposals and ask if we have omitted anything. For we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. And that's the whole point of steps four through nine. To build that arch so that we can be free of resentment, anger, fear, those emotions that they say we need to to let go of at once so that we don't start wanting to use or eat again. And the question is, how do you do that? Well, this is the format. Um, So... In doing the fifth step um, with sponsees, I also have started out with, you know, it's always exciting when we finish the third step. It's like, woohoo! you're now on your fourth step. Congratulations. Go out and buy some notebooks, and I want them to be specific kinds. I don't want them to be little pocket journals. I want them to be 8 by 11, so you can make these columns and have plenty of room to write. And, um, and I start with some examples, and we go through how we do the columns, and I, I also write at the top or have them write. Those questions, when you get stuck, what was my part? I don't get it. This person did these mean things to me. What was my part in this? To help you remember that you did play a part in some way and to find that. And, um, and then after we get kind of going on it, I really like to say, okay, you go off now and write. Let's check in about how things are going. But as soon as you're done and you feel really done, that's when we should meet. And we should try to book a time where we can sit down undisturbed for at least three, or if not four, hours or more, when we're not exhausted. So I'm not talking about starting at seven o'clock at night after a long day of work. It's usually a Sunday afternoon activity. And um, in the OA 12 and 12, step five talks about how um, who to read your fifth, your fourth step to and. It's, you know, it suggests we are not looking for someone to tell us how to manage our problems. So, so many times when I'm listening to a fourth step, I I hear things being omitted or I see patterns that my sponsee may or, or not yet be able to see. And that's part of what my job is as a loving witness, someone who will c- keep confidences and will listen without judging or seeking to fix us. So when I get in this fix-it mode, like... When we get to the what could you do differently column, and they're like, I have no idea. I'm like, okay, well, think about that. You know, it's not my place to help you tell you to fix this problem. And I have to re- remind myself it's God, it's not me. It's more God, less Alana. And I say that sometimes in my head when I want to share, like, this is what I think. You could do differently. This is what I think was your part in it. I really want my sponsees to do that for themselves because that's the only way I learned how to look at my life critically. And that's how I go forward now when I'm feeling, you know, up against the wall with the situation. And it's usually around relationships uh, people, places, things, and in institutions. Every once in a while I get mad at an institution, but it's the relationships that really drive me crazy. And the closer the person is and the more important they are to me, the more the, the relationship you know, problems really, drive, really make me upset and bring out my characteristics that aren't helpful. Um, so I do like to use the fourth step format when I do a tenth step. And What I will say about procrastination is I find it helpful to just start. If chronologically works, that's great. Start chronologically. If certain people pop into your mind immediately, write about them if you need a whole notebook. And then you can come back to them. Oh, whoops, I forgot about this, that, or the other sexual relationship or this person or that person that I worked with. Um, It comes up when you do your fifth step. So sometimes you have to go back and write a little bit more and give that away. And then really moving forward from there, you have a list of characteristics that aren't helpful, character defects, unhelpful patterns of behavior. And from that, you can say, oh my God, I'm doing it again. I can sense when I'm starting to do this again. This person stepped on my toes. This is how I'm feeling. Wow. I remember doing this in the past and that didn't work out so well. So help me, save me from repeating this pattern of behavior. And uh, that kind of brings you into the sixth step. So I'll end there. But, um, yeah, if you have questions about how I do the columns, I'll be here after the session.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Just a reminder to keep passing the basket. I'll be collecting it soon for the questions. Our third speaker is Ellen.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Ellen, and I'm a very grateful compulsive overeater. Hi, Ellen. Just to qualify briefly, um, I came to my first OA meeting in 1969. So I've been in the program many years. Um, I was abstinent and lost about 50 pounds the first year I was in the program, and... um, then lost the balance the next couple of years. Um, in In 1975, I moved to Northern California from Southern California and was in a relationship that was very problematic and that I couldn't talk about. And OA has always been the place where I could tell the truth so that I couldn't really talk about this relationship because I was afraid to talk about the relationship. I stayed away from the program for a couple of years. Gained about 25 pounds, but it was a real terrible bottom. And in 1980, I went to another program to help me with my relationship issue. And the person in that program said, you got to go back to OA. And so in 1980, I came back to OA, and I've been abstinent ever since, so it's about 34 years now. Um, No, 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 it's you guys, it's this, it's this. So you know I want to talk about steps four and five, because they saved my life, and they've saved my life more than once, and I don't want to ever find out. That doesn't mean I'm not going to continue to do fourth and fifth steps, but it means I'm... I'm, this is it. I'm in OA for the rest of my life. Um, for those of you who know the OA 12 and 12, um, they do have some principles attached to each one of the steps. And with 4 and 5, they are courage and integrity. And um, I'm a big literature person. That's just who I am. So I always read from the literature um, because I think they can say it better than I can. Um, And so when it's talking about courage, in the big book, and I'm a big book person too, I like the original literature a lot. When I came into the program, that was all we had. And we just substituted the word compulsive eating for alcoholic, and boy, it really worked for me. Um, So in the big book on page 64, it says, though our decision in step three was a vital and crucial step. It could have little permanent effect unless at once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. In steps four and five, we identify the character defects that have been blocking us from our higher power. So many people in the program do the one, two, three dance. And I did it for a long time until I started binging again. Um, if it's my experience, and this is all I can share, that without the rest of the steps, nothing ever changes. I just kept going back to the same old behi- behavior and ultimately going back to the food, because that's what I knew how to do. The change for me really happens when you work steps four through nine. So I strongly encourage all of you who are dancing on the edge of step four to take the plunge. Um, uh, I think I want to say that the big book really described me to a T, and it says that we're like people who lead a double life, pretending to be someone we're not. And that's how I lived my life. I wanted to be how you wanted me to be. I wanted to be the way my parents wanted me to be. I wanted to be accepted. And so whatever that took, I was going to be that way. And so I was a nice person. I tried to get along with everybody. I was a people pleaser. I was codependent. But that's how I knew to survive. It's what I learned. And I really didn't know another way. Um, but there are a lot of promises in the program. And um, so I I kept listening to those people who said that there are promises that can happen. And um, I love the promise made on page 75 in the big big book. It says, after taking step five, we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past, Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. We can be alone and at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall away from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. And then it says, the the feeling that the food problem, they call it the alcohol problem, the food problem has disappeared. I promise you, that is what happens. For me, the food issue is a non issue. I am a compulsive eater. I will always be a compulsive eater. I have to have a food plan. I have to be abstinent. There's no choice about it. I don't have a choice. But the bargain is that I get to live a very full and happy life. And the promises of the program of being happy, joyous, and free have come true in my life. I get to, I get to. I went back to school. I got a new career. I repaired my relationships with my family and my mother, who I never thought I would have a relationship with, um, and my relationship with my sons. I have grown sons today, and we're extremely close. So I owe such an incredible debt. Why would I want to do anything to jeopardize that? I don't. Um, So let's talk a little bit more about step four. Um, And it says in the big book, we can live more fully having the courage to face up to our mistakes. And that's such a kind word. I mean, character defects sounds pretty scary. But mistakes? I can deal with that. Mistakes. Um, And I've always seen that What they talk about in the big book, my most glaring problems have come from the most common symptoms of emotional insecurity, worry, anger, self-pity, and depression. My fear of getting angry was huge. I lived with a father who was a rageaholic, and nobody, you know, stood up to him. Um, We all walked around trying to keep the peace, trying to prevent him from getting angry, which never worked. But I was, you know, that's how I was raised to keep the peace. So I had a huge fear of my own anger. And I must say that, you know, I, I also got therapy on the outside too. I was encouraged to go into, you know, get some therapy and it really helped. But ultimately, working the steps of the program has been the way that I've worked through a lot of this stuff. And I, I, you know, I certainly have issues around anger these days, but I have got to acknowledge my feelings. I cannot suppress them anymore. So if I'm angry, I have to talk to someone. And gratefully, we have a program where people will listen to you without judgment, without criticism. And we develop people we trust that we can talk to. What a gift. So I learned to deal with that. Um, so, as I said, it uh, takes courage. Um, and I think one of the key words that has to do with this is surrender. And that word comes up a lot in this program. It's not about working harder. It's not about making ourselves be this good OA person. It is about surrendering. And when I came into the program, I had no concept of a higher power. In fact, I was kind of a prideful agnostic. I wouldn't have said I was an atheist, but I because that would have been like, maybe there's a the possibility of a higher power. But I definitely was really skeptical and very skeptical about organized religion. Um, so for me, coming to a place of finding spiritual uh, spiritual connection was really, really important. Fortunately... My development in OA happened during a time when a lot of people in this world, in this life, were doing a spiritual search. And so I did a lot of spiritual searching. I looked at a lot of different faiths and religions and reading and writing. And I found a higher power that I could believe in and trust. Initially, it started out being acting as if. And then it became, came to believe. Because I started to see all the miracles happening, not only in my life, but around me. And I developed a concept of a higher power that, to my surprise, ended up being very similar to the higher power that they describe in the twelve-step programs. So that was really nice. Um, and the surrender that happens has to, for me, had to come with some power greater than myself. Some. Thank you. Some some way in which I knew I could let go and trust. And really, for me, the biggest work was about developing deeper and deeper trust. And the more I did that, and the more I acknowledged on a daily basis how it was working in my life, the more I started to have faith, and I could trust, and I could surrender, and therefore have the courage to write down all of the things that had been going on inside me forever. Because I had issues around trust, it was very difficult for me to, the, to get the idea of trusting another human being to give away my fourth step. But I wasn't, the, my sponsor kept saying to me, You're not at the fifth step yet. You are just at the fourth step. You don't have to think about the fifth step right now. Just get your stuff down, get it out. And um, so my first inventory was real superficial. It was the I put down the stuff that was the most embarrassing, the most that I was the most uncomfortable with, or that I was the most ashamed of. And that really helped. I mean, it really did help. I I hadn't given it away yet. I wasn't at step five, but at least I got it down. Um. And you know, our, the people, my fellow speakers have given some wonderful suggestions on ways in which to get your four-step done. And there are many formats that work. Um, in in I live in Marin, we're using a, a supplemental OA twelve-step pro, program that's helping us use the big book material. Um, and we're doing a weekly workshops, as other people have talked about, where we each work through the steps together. That's extremely helpful. But it's got to get done. And it is a personal inventory. So it has to be personal. And really, as other people have said, very specific. Um, and it says in the big book, and then the A12 12 and 12, but it's from our twisted relations with family, friends, and society at large that many of us have suffered the most. And um, I have to certainly say that that has been true for me. My personal relationships have been the biggest difficulty in my life because I feel like they're the ones where I have to, be, I have to reveal the most of myself. I have to tell the truth as much as um, more than in any other place in my life. And it's the hardest for me to do. And my biggest fear was what they talked about in the big book, an inability to form a true partnership with another human being. I really thought I was one of those people that was incapable of that. So it was very important for me to find out, thank God through this program, that I do have the ability to have a true relationship with other people, with another person. Um, And it took my working on the fourth step and the fifth step and the rest of the steps to really get to finding out who I am. I can't be the way anybody else wants me to be. I can only be the best possible Ellen there is. That's it. And when I realized that I had high standards anyway, you know, I realized I was trying to live up to my own high standards, which were high enough, not anybody else's. Um, so, that said, I think I better move on to. Step five, and the principle that's associated with step five is integrity. And, you know, for me, what comes to mind and came to mind with step five was the, that I had to have, the person I was going to give away my first inventory to had to be somebody who had integrity. I mean, I wasn't thinking about my own integrity in those days. I was worried about very fearful of, who am I going to give this step away to? And now, after all these years and all the inventories I've done and all the fifth steps I've done, each time I've been led to the right person, every single time. And I haven't had to worry about who that person would be. When the time came, the right person was there. And so for that first fourth step, the right person appeared. Sometimes I've given away inventories to people outside the program who were familiar with a 12-step program, but who were people I either had great admiration for spiritually or because they, um, they, I felt they were people I could trust. Most of the time, the four steps I've given away have been to other people in the program. Um, it needs to be someone who has worked through the steps themselves, who you feel has something you want, and who you feel you can trust, and who maybe you might have some respect for, because they're living a life of integrity. And that's each time I've been able to find people like that. So they're there. And I think my higher power always led me to the right person. Um, and it says in the big book, we have to be fearless. And that's easy to say and hard to do for those of us who are not, have never thought of ourselves as brave. Um, But, boy, the payoff is enormous, just enormous. And, you know, the the fifth step has everything to do with honesty. It really does. I need to be able to have a place in my life where I can be honest, truly honest. And OA is the one place that I have totally found I can be myself and be totally honest. And finding somebody to give away my fifth step to. I needed to find someone that I could really tell the truth to, not hold anything back. Because the key is that the more I was able to share with another human being the exact nature of my wrongs, the more I was able to let go of all those things and really move on and move away from them. What else do I want to say about that? Um, In the AA 12 and 12, there's lots of promises that follow what happens if you give away your fifth step. It says that we will get rid of that terrible sense of isolation we've always had. That's me. I'm a loner. I always have been a loner. I was an only child. I'm very comfortable being alone. I'm not comfortable around other people. Now, I'm comfortable, well, certainly these days, I'm a lot more comfortable. Thank you. A lot Now, I'm a lot more comfortable with other people, and I couldn't be talking to you if I weren't. But it's still challenging for me, and particularly challenging to tell the truth. So, I'm just going to briefly share with you the promises that can come true after, just after doing step five. You're ga- you, we will gain a feeling we can be forgiven very powerful, and forgive ourselves. We will truly be able to forgive others. Incredible. I never thought I would ever forgive certain people in my life. We will learn humility, which is defined as a clear recognition of what and who we really are, followed by a sincere attempt to become what we could be. If that was all I ever heard, that would have been enough. I had such a desire to be authentic in my life to be truly who I am in all situations. I always felt like I was wearing different hats. So here I was, really wanting to just be myself. It says, we will gain more realism and honesty with ourselves. Very powerful. And these days, it's been a really important thing for me. I've been going through some physical struggles, and this has been a really important time for me to be really honest with myself and real about what's going on in my life. We will begin to realize how much trouble self-delusion has been causing us, and for me, compulsive eating is the source of my self delusion I want to if I want to hide that's where I hide. We will be able to look the world in the eye. Those of us who want to hide out, looking the world in the eye is a big powerful thing and and very empowering too. Um, we will be at perfect. Thank you. We will be at perfect peace and ease. There's a serenity promise. And it does happen. Fears will fall away. We will feel a nearness to our higher power. And finally, our food problem will disappear. That's what it says. And I can tell you that that has been the case in my life. Um... And, you know, they do warn you that if you avoid this step, you will be unable to stay abstinent, you will relapse periodically, you will suffer irritability, anxiety, remorse, depression, and continue to accuse others of our our defects. So I love this promise. Here's the, the last promise. We will know what and who we really are, and find what we could be. And you know, I if if that's if that's what happens, it certainly happened to me. I hope it happens to you. The program promises it will, and I believe in the program. So thank you for asking me to share.
0: Thank you. I now have questions from the ask it basket. We have about thirty minutes, so I want to try to get to all of the questions. So the first question, and I think that any of you that feel qualified to answer, you can just come on up. So the first question is: How do you suggest one get started on step four without a sponsor?
2: I don't. (laughs) I don't suggest you start Step 4 without a sponsor. Um, If you live in an area where there's nobody available to sponsor, um, or you've asked other people to sponsor you, and no one is available, I would get on the line, get on the phone, call the sponsorship hotline, find a sponsor. Because the whole point is to try doing it not our own way. That's my suggestion. That's my experience.
3: I heartily agree, but I also want to add one thing. And it is that if you do want to plunge in while you're looking for a sponsor... The OA 12 and 12 has wonderful questions that you, if you answered those questions, that would be the beginning of an inventory, using a work, one of the OA workbooks, there's an inventory even, 12-step inventory workbook you can do, good place to get started. And also, while you're working on your inventory, it's really important to share that at meetings and to share it with other people, just talking about the fact that you're in the process of writing an inventory, because it brings up a lot of emotions. So get support.
1: Roger, reader. Um, trying to uh, do the steps, in fact, trying to do OA without a sponsor is like trying to use your home first aid kit for a life-threatening disease. And I, I, I was in OA for eight months, and I was a shooting star, and I did everything, but I didn't really let step one go from my head to my heart. And so when I moved down to Southern California, I said... I know the secret formula now. I know the diet plan. I know I can do these steps on my own. I went through four years of food hell, and I'll tell you from someone who tried to do this himself, I need that accountability. If I'm not accountable to someone, then when the hard stuff comes along, I'm going to put it off forever, and I'm not going to really dig into what I need to do. So get a sponsor, go to phone meetings. They're awesome. OA.org. get on those phone meetings, get to know people. There are people out there who will sponsor you. Even if they live across the country, you can still make a great friend and be accountable.
0: Okay, the next question is, what is the difference between step four and step ten? Is it okay to do the fourth step to the best of my ability for today? How to work through perfectionism? That's really three different questions. That's a couple of questions. Yeah.
3: So the, oh, thank you for leaving the question. Um, yeah, 10 steps. For those of you who didn't attend the earlier workshop where person was, people were talking about step 10, step 10 for me has always been um, really helpful on a daily basis, dealing with the things that come up on a daily basis, um, and writing about them, and some people definitely use a four step format to write their ten step, but it 's usually shorter and it 's usually something more immediate and then usually something you give away rather quickly. I really do recommend doing ten steps, and I know some people who have started and written ten steps before they 've even done a fourth step, and that 's fine um, uh, I think we answered the second part of that, but As far as um, dealing with perfectionism, this is why we're writing four steps and doing fifth steps and working the rest of the steps. The character defects get lifted as we work through the steps. So you don't have to get rid of your perfectionism. If you continue to work the steps, the program will help you do that. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, I guess I think of um, the fourth step as uh, the beginning of the tenth step, but the tenth step for me is four through nine, all in one step. And and when I look at the big book and, and it talks about step ten... You know, it says, continue to watch out for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. These are all the things that I wrote about as individual items in the fourth step. But then it says, when these crop up, ask God to remove them at once. Discuss them with someone immediately, which is step five. And make amends quickly if you've harmed anyone, which is step eight. And then return your thoughts to someone you can help. Um, you know, 1112, love and tolerance of others is our code. So I use my fourth step as a way to write out an incident and then I go about completing the tenth step by giving it away, thinking about it, what do I need to do, making the amends. So it's kind of all-encompassing.
0: I have two that are specifically for Roger. The first well, I'll read. I'll read both of them. The first is, "Can Roger give his email in order to receive his handouts?" And the second is, "Roger, please repeat the big book column subheadings your sponsor gave you."
1: Yeah, welcome emails. I'll be glad to send you those, tab- those tables that uh, my sponsor gave me. My email address is my first initial R, my middle initial B, as in boy, my last name Honeycutt, H U, double N. I, C U T T, at gmail.com. Just to give you a review of in there, he, <clears throat> he broke it down a little bit for me. You, you'll recognize uh, from page 65 of the big book um, the uh, effects the my values that uh, they welcome you to put there. The social instinct, security instinct, sex instinct, and ambitions. You should all recognize that from the book. But just to repeat the uh, quick check boxes, you put social instinct, two ones, self esteem, personal relationships. So those can affect your social instinct. The security instinct choices were material or emotional. The sex instinct choices were acceptable sex relationships, and hidden sex relationships. And finally, the ambitions, three choices, social, security, and sexual. And then the fourth column he had in there was, what is the exact nature of my wrongs, faults, and character defects? So you can see your part in it, or my part in it, I should say.
0: The next question For me, my sexual misdeeds and hang-ups Were the most embarrassing and most painful to admit Even to myself and God How did you overcome the fear of sharing about sex with another?
1: I'll speak for the the guys. Um, (laughs) My boss's my boss, my sponsor was very, there's a Freudian slip there. Uh, He was open with me. And uh, so I do the same thing with my sponsees is when it comes to that point, I can tell they're a little awkward is I'll I'll just share something in my life to show that I'm not the shining ivory, you know, tower guy that was perfect. And break the ice, right? If, you, if someone else, uh, anything in life, wants to share something with you, you can tell they're ashamed, and you reach out and you say, well, hey, I can relate, you know, I don't know if yours is the same thing, but, and you share about yourself, you open up. It works, right? The floodgates open. So I think seeing my sponsor come down to my level and open up to me allows me to do the same thing.
0: sorry about that when listing principles and institutions how do you find your part example resentment towards magazines like maxim or playboy because they create an ideal woman when listing principles and institutions how do you find your part
2: Okay. When listing principles and institutions, how do you find your part? Okay, so I one of my resentments was towards the medical profession, (laughs) resentment towards medical professionals as an institution that um, didn't understand or didn't recognize compulsive eating as a chemical dependency, and um, so I had to write about that. And again, I just went through the the questions: How does that affect me? often it was my pride i thought i knew better than them i thought i was i had the answer and they don't know i you know so that was humbling and then how do i find my part i just do that with every time i'm stalemated with what is my part i ask that question you know was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, or afraid? And maybe it's about being dishonest with the doctor and not sharing my truth. Like you don't have to be lying about something to be dishonest; it's just withholding how you feel about something that they've shared. Um, so with institutions, I do it the same way I do. I, I get to my part as I would with a with a magazine, you know. Um, They create an ideal woman. That's the question. I guess my part would be, you know, am I comparing? How am I comparing? What is my part? Um, I don't know. Any other
0: people want to add anything to that? Let me add this to it, too, because there's another similar question that reads, what about when you don't know your part or how you could have done it differently.
3: Well, just in terms of my reaction to the previous question, you know, I think the serenity prayer goes a long way in my looking at what can I change in this world and what what are the things I can't. And so I have to I have to be honest with myself about that. And I think where I have Anger and resentment toward institutions that i 'm not directly involved in, um, I think the thing I try to do is change my behavior in my own life, um, act as if I would want them to be, and talk about that with the people I respect and um, who I care about, um, sharing my beliefs and as opposed to you know what may be different from someone else 's so I mean, I think acting in a you know principled way can go a long way toward combating the things we feel frustrated about in the world. Um, In terms of um, what was the part about um, how and what do we do when we don't know what our part is? I mean, I think other people have addressed that a lot. it's sometimes hard to know. Sometimes getting feedback from your sponsor can be really helpful. Or other people in the program who know you and being who you trust, sharing the, the situation with them and seeing if they can help you see what you're part in. If you feel you've had a part in something. Um, sometimes we are innocent bystanders, and that can be the truth, too. So, but it's important to get honest feedback from others.
0: Great. Thank you. Next question. Discuss those issues that you've written volumes on, the tough ones. How did you finally get to move on from them?
2: issues that I've written volumes on, uh, the tough ones, how did I finally get to move on from them, I would say um, there's levels of moving on from them uh, for me. And there are some hurts that I find maybe I felt weren't resolvable, and then they were lifted. Um, I had to think about them for several years. And I think part of it is really the finding the humility in that situation, what was my part? Did I play? If I didn't play a part, if I was a child and I was a victim, then I don't know, you know, the moving on. It may just be, again, over and over again, writing about it until I've got it out there on paper. But as an adult, my part, recognizing what I could do differently in terms of the opposite, taking the opposite action. So the next time I'm confronted with that same situation, how am I going to do it differently? How am I going to handle it now? Either it's the same person, my family member, or some other person doing the same thing. What's my part? What have I done in the past? Maybe not to do it this time. Maybe just say, you know, I don't want to engage in this situation. And then eventually I move on because... There's nothing to continue, there's no harms being created if I'm separating myself out from that harmful situation. Maybe not putting myself in it over and over again.
1: This could also come come under the heading of guilt, is wanting to repeat something over and over, beating ourselves up over and over, thinking we can't change. And I uh, certainly felt that way about food when I came in. And then going through the inventory, I realized my other issues. Um, we're emotional creatures. Humans aren't robots. We, our instinct is to we feel a certain way, and then um, we want to act based on our emotions and rationalize it with logic. And that, that doesn't work. It's like uh, a psychosis, Right. So we have to acknowledge we're emotional creatures. But what's the difference between an adult and a child? A child, they feel a certain way, they just do it. They act a certain way. An adult, unless they want to end up in jail, (laughs) learns to say, I feel this way, but I choose to act in the right way. And I think when we dig up these issues in here, there are certain ones that hurt a lot, and... Uh, the pain can be tremendous and forgiving ourselves, forgiving other people. And we're not robots. We don't have little memory cards. Okay, well, psh, don't need that one anymore. You know, I I'm not going to remember that one anymore. That's impossible. But if you think again of this as an iterative process through the rest of your life, going through the steps, you don't take the best shower of your life and say, all right, I don't ever have to take a shower again. I, I, this is the best shower. I'm clean. <laughs> I mean, but think about it. Some of us and I thought, well, I'm just going to go through the steps like I did the first time. I'm done. I got this down. And then I realized there were new issues that came up. There was stuff I didn't want to admit from before. There were, and, but more fundamentally, there were things that take a lifetime sometimes to deal with. And if you can allow yourself to do that and work with your sponsor and talk to people and write about it, write about it, there's a magical nature to writing with your hand. And people who have written, and you guys I see nodding, it really works. That helps you process the really bad stuff. Talking to people like a, a boiling pot, steam release. And if you do that over time, it's like someone who loses a loved one. Well, how do they get over it? They don't get over it like it disappeared. They've learned to accept it as a part of life and move on. And this is something that I've found is amazing. The thing that hurts the most in your life, the thing that you think you can never get over, as you process it, suddenly you're going to meet other people who are going through that and they're in pain and they need help. And guess what? You can give them a new perspective and that starts helping you. It's like a feedback cycle. So don't look at the steps as a magical off-on switch. Look at it as a lifelong process and, and you'll be able to deal with things in the long term with the help of... Your friends here in OA. Thank
0: you. Oh, even worse, sorry. Have you listed your assets in doing your fourth step? Have you been able to turn a liability or character defect into an asset? Have you listed your assets in doing your fourth step? have you been able to turn a liability or character defect into an asset? Um,
3: This may be controversial, and I just speak for myself. But um, I didn't really list my assets when I was working on my inventory um, and and haven't done that in my subsequent inventories. But what the question is really saying for me is true, is that when I let go of those defects of character, some of the aspects of those defects of character that were beneficial were didn't go away. They stayed. And so I started to see how those defects of character could be useful to me in my life. Um, it, it's not ever a, black and white as, as everyone has said it's not a black and white issue but for me it was more important for me to deal with the things that were painful that I'd been carrying around for a long time and when I did that I started to see the assets I had in a clearer light and I wasn't weighed down so heavily by the burdens. so I hope that answers some part of that
0: This is a similar question. How has doing the fourth and fifth step set you free?
2: I'm glad someone asked that question because I realize after I told you um, when I did my fifth step, I actually felt pretty upset and went home and wanted to eat. (laughs) And that's me being honest. Um, What it did was it reminded me that I am still a compulsive overeater. This program is not going to turn me into not a compulsive overeater. I'm always going to want to eat when I feel anger, resentment, fear, self-pity. What it did do, what set me free about the fourth and fifth step is that I learned that I don't actually have to act on that. I don't have to eat over those feelings. So I went home feeling like, wow, I really want to Eat and I didn't. That was how this program set me free. It reminded me that I have now got other options. So I can write the fourth and fifth step and it sets me free because it allows me to get it out on paper, to say it, and has a beginning and an end. It also brings me down to earth. It takes my anger level from here. Maybe to here, and then if it comes up again and I'm back up here, I can bring it down to here, where I can find how I'm similar to someone who might be stepping on my toes, how I'm like them. And, of course, there's that spiritual paradox that the things that people do that upset you the most are the things that we actually do ourselves, and it's just mirroring us, and that's why that upsets me so much. is because maybe, have, when have I ever done that to someone else? And then it's like, whoa, brings me way down here. You know, like when someone at work is, is micromanaging me, have I ever micromanaged someone? Oh, you know, that feels awful to think about. So it actually sets me free from that anger and that rage um, or that self-pity that would lead me back to the food.
0: Thank you. These last three questions are all about sponsoring. So I'm actually going to read them together. They're, they're sort of similar. So the first one says, do you have top tips for receiving Step 5? The next one says, as a sponsor, what approach do you use working with your sponsees And the last one, step four and five, when sponsees are reading step four and five, should we ask them to hang on to it so they can use it to make the list for step eight?
1: When I first started helping my sponsees, I thought I had to make great speeches and solve all their problems and, you know, just glow. And, And I realized quickly that didn't work. So I, like, I let it be about them. They do most of the talking. Uh, I love the OA workbook. I, I let them go through, answer the questions, think about it, and I say, oh, let's sit down for coffee and, and uh, tell me you know what you think about each one. If you want to read literally what you wrote, that's fine, or you can paraphrase. And I let them do most of the talking because they've been doing all the thinking. They know their issues. <laughs> they, and, you know, it's interesting how a lot of us, if, you, if we're seriously, you know, honest about it, we'll say we know what we need to do. And, and we know what we feel. We just may not want to admit it or express it. So when they're writing, they're doing some digging, 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 dig, you know, down those feelings and issues. And so I'm listening to them. And if they have a question, sure, I'll talk to them. And maybe I'll ask a few more things. But I let it be about them. I let them do most of the talking. And... Uh, And the issue feel pretty good about that at the end. They don't feel like I've given them a lecture. They feel like they've been able to get something, uh, a weight off their chest.
2: Sorry. should we have them hang on to it and make it useful for step eight? I think part of what I do when I listen to a fifth step is listen for patterns. And when I did my fifth step with my sponsor, I had a highlighter and we were like highlighting. Oh, there it is again. Oh, that's the same pattern coming up. Oh yeah, this is my part. Oh yeah, that's my part. So that then I can go back through and I can keep a running list of these characteristics that are unhelpful to me and the other reason I recommend keeping it and I still have mine I haven't burned it or thrown it into the ocean like I had these visions of doing originally so that I can look back on it and see where I've come see how far I've come and also to use it as a, a guideline for sharing with new sponsees coming in you can pull it out and pull it out and go through an example uh, just to kind of help get them started Um, But listening for patterns, letting them do the talking, that's kind of how I was raised (laughs) to do the fifth step.
0: We still have a few minutes. Ellen, did you want to share on that? Okay, great. Okay. A reminder that the silent auction and boutique are going on upstairs in the Scalini room. So there's some great stuff. I went there this morning. There's some really great stuff in that room. So please visit the room. It's on the... uh, What is the name? The atrium level. And... It's now time to close this session. Let's thank our speakers and all who have done service for this session. Let's please stand and join hands as we close with the third step prayer.